this little um, piece of land here in, at uh, downtown. And, um, and to, have, to have those who can say, yeah, I will consider this officially my home church. And so we're looking forward to that time. But in the meantime, we felt it was important to you know, teach, lay foundation so that it can be an informed decision, not just, well, I've been coming, you know, but that you can understand biblically um, what is the church, what are the requirements and all that. What are so the, the, these are, this is a neat topic. Um, take time on your own study to, to go over the church. And, and um, there's a lot that we don't know. Right? There are mysteries of God, that God is at work, uh, but he's given us some wonderful revelation in the scriptures. He's given us enough for us to, to build a life, to, to really um, be a part of his church. And so we hope to give a little bit of an understanding um, for that. So let's um, um, go to Exodus 25, verses 8 and 9. Um, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all its furniture. So you shall make it. Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that you would do your work. Help us to be a people, Lord, that um, would do the things you called us to do, that we can build the right way, that we would build it, Lord, according to the, the pattern that you have given us of the tabernacle. I pray that we would be good stewards of this opportunity that we have. Uh, we have a family. We have a spiritual family, Lord. We're not orphans. We could easily have been in our homes, disconnected without a church, maybe flipping channels, maybe a, a YouTube channel, and, and getting our spiritual um, food from, from these sources. But I thank you that we have a church. I thank you that we have people that we can look in the eye and, and, and walk together in life. I've always wanted that, and thank you for what you're doing in our midst. And so we pray for your wisdom. We pray that you would help us, help me to speak clearly, help me to, Lord, uh, to be faithful to the word of God. We love the scriptures. And we, but Lord, um, we're n none of us is adequate for this. So we pray your mercy, that you would guide and direct us. We humble ourselves before you, Lord, and we do tremble at your word. And so we ask for your help today. Help me to speak, help us to listen. And Lord, be glorified in all that we say and do today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we began the series going over uh, a biblical theology of the church. That All that really was um, in simple language was to show the different types of pictures that the, that the Bible presents, right? Um, we're just going to go through quickly. Um, these are the church is a family, number one. The church is God's field. The church is God's building, right? Um, the church is God's temple. The church is God's house. The church is the body of Christ, and the church is the bride of Christ. So we have all these pictures that were given to us, and Pastor Ron did an excellent job trying to bring those out, and we try to lay, give you pictures. I like pictures. I mean, I like pictures. I like, I, you know, it's like, what is it? You know, it's like, okay. You know, I, just in my mind, if I don't have the picture in my mind, I could get so lost. It's like, uh, you know, give us pictures. And so, so these pictures were meant really to just 
were meant to give us, uh, what is it? What is, what is the church like? And, and these are just metaphors. Um, and so now we, now we take on a different topic. Now we, last week we began to look at a different, to go a little deeper in, in, in this topic of the church. A, a, a topic that will be a little bit, you know, a little bit, I know for me, just it's been a little bit more doing the work of prayer and, and thinking and meditation to really feel that I understand. And sometimes, you know, these things are not easy. But we want to consider, we began to consider last week the design of the church, the design. Uh, when we go to the scriptures in Exodus 25, 8, 9, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst exactly as I show you concerning the pattern. So there's a pattern. You know, a pattern is something that is intended to be used, right, um, as a guide for making something else, right? So, you know, so that's what a pattern is. A pattern is something that we use to make something else. So God has given us a design, a design for the church. And, um, and so the question now we begin to ask, um, what do we mean by design? So that was the question we began the, the, you know, and so what we what I what I try to do is help to um, what do we mean by the design of the church, right? And so I said, first of all, I want you to understand that the design um, that what question is design not meant to answer? And, and I said to, I said last week, it's not really it's not really not that it's disconnected to it, but it's not really meant to answer the question, what is it? The, the pictures do probably a better job of answering the question, what is the church? It's the house of God. It's God's building. It's the bride of Christ. That's much more, that much more informs what is the church, right? Design is going to go a little bit deeper. Design is, concern, is, um, is meant to answer a different kind of question, right? So what question is design meant to answer, right? What question is design? Um, uh, first of all, a design, when we say design, right, uh, we're looking at the internal arrangements of the parts, all right? Um, the internal arrangements. So th when you're looking at design of something, whether it be a car, whether it be an airplane, whether it be a computer, right, the design of a computer has parts. You know that the computer is not the shell that you see. That's just it. That's just the shell. Inside, there are different parts. And those parts talk to each other. They communicate. And they all have a specific function, right, that makes the computer work. That's what we mean by design. It's the internal arrangement. Sometimes you don't see the internal, right? right? Why is it that it's interesting that God made life so that you have a shell, a skin, a cover, and then you have the internal parts on the inside that, that are not seen as much? Right, so the intern, the, the design sometimes is not as visible, you know. Uh, but for those who want to go deep and want to understand, you know, the design is really where you begin to understand how things work and function. So, so we're looking at the internal arrangements of the parts. We want to understand, as far as the design of the church, what are the internal arrangements? How has God arranged those parts? Right, so it's a very it, it's a very tricky question. It, it's not an easy question to answer. But we want to look at the design and see. And we're not going to only God knows the design of how exact all how all the parts fit perfectly in a church. Only God knows that. But we can have some good ideas of how how these parts are meant to work. 
all right? So the design is meant to answer two questions. It's meant to answer two questions. What does it do, right? And how does it do it? That's what design is after, all right? So that's what, so I want you to think about, like, we're when we talk about, when we talk about the church, when we talk about the design of the church, uh, we're going to be particularly focused on these two questions. What does it do and how does it do it? I'm, I'm probably going to focus on one more than the other because I just don't have the time. I'm probably going to focus more on how does the church do it, the design, all right? I have a slide here for a design of a car. So that might give you, uh, that might give you a, right? So that's a car. So you got the car, you got the shell, but inside of that shell of a car, you got these specific parts. Well, the church, imagine the church, there's a shell, right? And God has arranged parts in the church. How, how would you draw up that picture? Take it as an exercise. What are those parts? <laughs> so like, how do you, you know, right? So you have this vehicle, right? This vehicle, I can't even read it from here because it's just, you have an engine, you have a battery, you have a transmission. Are they all the same parts? Do they all do the same thing? No, they're all very uniquely, and each part can further, you can go into the design of each part, right? So it kind of, you can keep going down further the road to understand the design of an engine. But here I'm telling the design of a car. You know, you have all these different parts, and that's how God, in the same way, the church has different parts that God has internally arranged. And guess what? You know what gets even more interesting? That, not, that while there's a general design that God has determined for every church, there's a particular design for every church. Does that make sense? That not all of it is going to be the same. Right? How many different kinds of cars do you have? But, but primarily, all the cars have kind of the same kinds of things. Like, for example, what would be a common thing in every car? What was that? Battery? Tires. Right, tires. You need something to move. What else is common in every car? Engine. Door. Right? Gas tank? Right, well, yeah, so, that, so now we're saying going into batteries. So, right, there are common features in every car, but every car is unique, right? Well, the same way when it comes to design of the church, we're going to understand, kind of generally speaking, how God has designed the church. But then I, I'm not sure that we're going to have time to think about the particular design of this church. We might touch on it. What are the parts that God has how has God constituted our church? What are the different things? Now, um, the location of the engine, is it, in every, is it in the same location in every car? No. So it has an engine. It's just in the, some have it in the back, some have it in the front, some have it in the middle, right? So, you know, so, so, so all of these things are useful for us to understand, like, hmm, interesting. That, but we got to understand, we should understand the major parts, like engine. If you're going to talk about cars, you got to understand that. you got to understand a little bit about the engine. you got to understand tires. you got to, you know, so there's some basis in a steering wheel, right? So this is just a picture just to help us to kind of put in our minds that we're, we're trying to understand the design of a church. What would, that, what, would, what would the picture of the church look like? Yeah, that's a great question, right? All right, so... Um, 
Look at Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14, you know. For you formed my, what? Inward parts. So, so there you have it. Um, this is true for all of us. And of, and, of course, I took the scripture last week to show you that, all right, so let's forget about the church for a minute. You have a particular design. God has arranged the internal parts of who you are in a unique way. We're not all designed in the same way. Right? So, again, I'm talking about particular design. We all have feelings. Is there a human being without feelings? No human being is without feelings. Every, every human being has feelings. But do they all function in the same way? <laughs> Thank you, Ashley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? You know, so we all have feelings, but they, all, they don't all function the same way. So, so we as individuals, we have a unique uh, uh, design determined by God. Our parts have been formed by God in a unique way for you with your own signature. And so that's what the psalmist is getting at. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. And this scripture can apply to you as an individual, as a community, local community church, and the church at home. It can be applied at different levels. And it's so good to, to begin to understand that all that God has put us in this world, God has put us in this church, God has put us in our families for unique purposes, to fulfill the things that uh, he has called us to fulfill. Uh, to, the, to what end? To what end? To glorify God. I praise you. There it is. It's not just to do the things you call me to do, but it's so that I may arrive at, I praise you. When you are, you know, and, and I think a lot of Christians, you know, I unfortunately don't enter into that as much as you should. When you come into contact with how God has made you, and you get a glimpse of that in a moment of time, and you're like, and you feel the blessing of the Lord of how he has formed you. And you say, it doesn't lift up pride. You say, oh, God, I praise you. Right? Because we are wonderfully, fearfully, and wonderfully made in every possible way. Right? It, it's like in every way we are fearfully and wonderfully made and contained within us is a tremendous majesty. But we're blinded to that because of sin, because our own the lies of the devil that rob us of who we are in Jesus Christ. And so we're, all of us, including myself, we struggle daily by faith to apprehend that which I've been apprehended for, right? So we, we, we just got a reality, the reality that this is the fight that we're at. But, 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 but the first thing is, is to take it for granted. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and your, your life is absolutely extraordinary. Amen? <laughs> I had to preach at chapel this Sunday, this Friday. And I was just like, 
and I, and, and I just, you know, I was just telling the kids, you know, from First Peter, you know, chapter 1, you know, Peter says, elect exiles. Like, all I had time was to tell them, you know, that they're elect. That's, that's your identity. Chosen by God. You know, that, that's just, we, we have to walk in this reality, not to puff us up, but for the glory of God. If you don't come into contact with how fearfully and wonderfully you made, there's something taken away of the glory of God. You'd be like, Lord, Lord, you know, Charlie, he's, wow, thank you, God, for Charlie. What a wonderful person he is. He's beautiful. Oh, and uh, Bob. Oh, Bob is awesome. Um, and that's good. Because they're fearfully and wonderfully made too. And you, but, but me, no. Um, no, I'm not. Right? And that's how a lot of us live. And we, we take the glory away from God of the way he made us. He made us in a beautiful way. And we, we discover that in Jesus Christ. Amen? So the design of the church is beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. So I can tell you, it's the design of the church is fearfully and wonderfully made. The design of every local church, the design of the church in general, the design of you as a believer, wonderfully made. And uh, and so we're, we're hopefully tap into that. But today, today we want to, I, you know, it, it was today's a topic that um, I've been thinking a lot about because this is a, obviously these are questions that come to my mind. I want to lay some foundation for understanding the design of the church. So you know, hope you know you're gonna have to bear with me with this one because you might say, what does this have to do with that? But um, I want to I want to continue today. One of the purpose today is. Um, to continue to lay some necessary foundation um, for understanding the design of the church. How do we, you know, th the question that we have to ask ourselves, is how in the world are we going to understand the design of the church? It's not like God gave us a blueprint, right? Like with the pictures and, you know, <laughs> that would be nice if he gave us a blueprint. I mean, he gave us the scriptures, praise God, but no pictures, you know? I was, it would have been nice if God would have just drawn a couple of pictures. <laughs> just like, you know, just a couple of pictures, Lord, yeah? <laughs> But um, no, he inspired no pictures. <laughs> there goes uh, Orthodox Christians. <laughs> Just, sorry, you're Orthodox <laughs> with the icons, you know. But how do we? Um, the question, main question, is how do we even begin to understand the design of the church? That's our main question. Um, what is un what is necessary, Abby? I think we have a cheese. What is necessary for understanding? How do you go about this question? How do you go about any question? This is foundational to understand. So today we want to lay, how do you, how do you answer this question? How do you, what is the design of the church? Okay. I'm going to be exhausted even this morning. <laughs> where, where do I go? Right, so it's, a, it's an interesting question. It's not just given to you. The scripture said, and thus saith the Lord, the design of the church is an apple with a green stem. You know, it's like, it's not, there, isn't, there isn't that scripture. So how do you go about to understand? How do we arrive at understanding the design of the church? All right, so here we go. Main idea, and I'll give it to you again. A necessary foundation for understanding the design of the church is the fear of the Lord. The fear of 
the Lord. And the Lord, the Lord really, um, yes. Yeah, that's exactly where we're going. And I was, I was wrestling this question for, for a while, and, and um, it, just, it just kept, the Lord just kept bringing me there. This is not about going to class and writing notes. How do we arrive at a real understanding, meaningful understanding of the design of the church? And then the question is, how do I understand anything? How can, we get, how can we get to know anything? What do you need? You need the fear of the Lord. I just want to lay that, I want to put it out there. The Bible makes it very clear. Proverbs 1.7. Right? The fear of the Lord the beginning of knowledge. Right? So so this is kind of radical, right? This is kind of like, well, I thought I just had to study my Bible. I thought I just go to seminary and go to class, right? And I could just acquire some knowledge, right? Apparently not. Fear of the Lord. Now, you know that when it says beginning, what does the proverb have in mind? What does the proverb have in mind when he says, the beginning? What was that? Foundation. Where, where, where do we find that? What was that? Clearly has Genesis in mind. What is the beginning? We don't know what the beginning is. What's the beginning? The only way we know the beginning is in the beginning, <laughs> God created. Ah, what's the beginning? The beginning was God when God begins to create. That's the beginning. Don't, don't you know, say, we got to go to the scriptures. Don't let, oh, the beginning is, uh, um, what's the beginning? Uh, when, when things start. No, no. The beginning is when God starts. Right? In the beginning, it, it, the fear of the Lord is the genesis of knowledge. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Before that, there was nothing. Chaos. Without form. I, there is so much that we know that is just chaos and just darkness without form <laughs> and empty. And we, ca and we boast that. <laughs> Look what I'm not. And it's just like you take it out and it's just like, <laughs> just like a, this, this, this thing. It's like, what is that? <laughs> the fear of the Lord is the beginning, the starting point, not the midpoint. The starting point of knowledge. Anything you want to know, we need the fear of the Lord. Now, think, I, I don't know about you, but this, years ago, this really rocked my world because I was like, okay. Lord, I can read books. I can read English. I, I can introduce new propositions to my mind, and I think I get them semantically, logically. I get them. 
But the Bible says that's not enough. You need the fear of the Lord to even know what anything is. The true knowledge is a byproduct of the fear of the Lord. You and I do not know anything until truly we begin with the fear of the Lord. You know, this is a topic that I, you know, I, I've given a lot of thought to over life, but, you know, over the last couple of weeks because of these messages, I've been thinking a lot about attempting to understand the knowledge of anything, including the design of the church, I, I, attempting to try to understand the, the, the design of the church apart from, without the fear of the Lord, is ultimately fruitless. You'll have facts. You'll have some propositions. Are we after propo new propositions? Not that we're after. I want knowledge. I want truth. Amen? I mean, we, I, I could, we could bring in here people that could just uh, put all this information together. That's not what we're after. We, we, we want to know the Lord. We want to know God. We want to know what he's after. We really want to know. I'm tired of this, like, all the, you know, I want to know. But the only way to know is go through the valley of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord will, be, will begin to give us something, right? So knowledge without the fear of the Lord is mere information, right? It's mere information. There's a lot of that. Um, to acquire true knowledge of love, you begin with the fear of the Lord. To, to, to try to understand hope, you begin with, to begin to know mercy, you begin with, everything is regulated by the fear of the Lord. That's what the proverb is saying. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And that sets a tone. That for me, in the years ago, I, was, I had a hard time. What does that mean? What, what does that mean? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So if we want to really acquire real knowledge concerning the design of the church, we must begin with the fear of the Lord. So I'm going to raise two questions, two questions I think I think that are going to be necessary to lay this foundation, to lay this foundation. This will take probably two weeks. Um, first question is, what is the fear of the Lord? <laughs> what is that? And I can tell you, and so I, you know, that this is a, this is a, um, not a very easy question to answer, but I, I do think that I'm just going to stick to the scriptures and just put it out there. What is the fear of the Lord? And then another question I want to ask. Why is the fear of the Lord necessary for the beginning of knowledge? Why? Why is the fear of the Lord the beginning of knowledge? I want to find out what is the fear of the Lord, but I also want to find out why. Why is the fear of the Lord the beginning of knowledge? And it is so obvious in my mind right now. <laughs> but 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 you know it, you know because I had to ask I had to ask this question I mean, I'm like because I'm like I'm like Lord I'm sorry for all the questions I think even the Lord got upset with that you asked me any questions <laughs> but you know, they, <laughs> but, but I got I just got I said why is it why why is it like why is the fear of the Lord the beginning of knowledge why and we're gonna get we're gonna get into that and you're gonna see how the fear of the Lord regulates everything and it's the starting point of everything. 
But uh, today I want to begin to ask just the first question. What is the fear of the Lord? And what we're going to do is just, um, just I'm gonna, in, in the, this is not a comprehensive study on the fear of the Lord, but I do hope it can create some categories in your mind for what these things are. Then use your own personal study to kind of, a lot can be said about the fear of the Lord. The Bible talks a lot about the fear of the Lord. In fact, the one characteristic of a godly man or a woman is primarily not even that they're, the Bible, it's not even that they're a man or a woman of faith. It is they fear the Lord. That's like the primary resume, fear the Lord. And so, I, so when you look at, you look at all, the, uh, all the promises in the scripture, the fear of the Lord is just a, a magnificent. I, I want to encourage you to do a study on the fear of the Lord. And of course, don't just study, but say to yourself, Lord, do I fear the Lord? That's the question that, right? That's the question that always I'm butting up against, right? As much as I'm doing my study, but the, in the back of my head, there's a little voice. <laughs> is Emmanuel, do you fear the Lord? Sobering, right? That's sobering. Do I fear the Lord? Do you fear the Lord? Oh, yeah, I do. Everybody says yes. Right? Do we? So what is the fear of the Lord? So that's what I, here's some four things that I think that um, we need to consider. First of all, the fear of the Lord presupposes something. It, it, this is where, right? It presupposes a real experience with the presence of God. So what do, what, what, do we, what do we mean by presuppose? Let's, let's go into classroom mode. What do we mean by presuppose? Use these words. Sometimes we do. What does that mean? What does that mean? Presuppose. Kelly, what does it mean to presuppose? Monique? To go, yeah, to go in with, right, an assumption. To go in, to, to assume, right, um, right, um, right, so, the fear of the Lord assumes that you've had a real life encounter with God. Think about that for a moment. Right? Can you fear anything that you haven't encountered? Now, what's interesting about fear, demonic fear, and carnal fear. That that's exactly how the fear of the flesh. Satan caused so many people to fear things that they have not yet experienced, but in their mind, they think it's going to happen. Does that make sense? It's amazing how carnal, fleshly, worldly fear you don't experience it. It's just a, almost like a negative prophecy in your mind. It's like a negative, oh, this is going to happen. <laughs> and we, and, but, but it hasn't happened yet. Why don't we wait until it happens? Then you can panic. No, but fear is not like that. Fear is irrational. He said, this is, this is going to happen. But it hasn't happened yet. That's the devil fear. 
So don't ever confuse God's fear with the devil's fear. The devil's fear is like, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. Right? I got cancer. I'm not going to make it. They're going to fire me. I saw it in the, in the boss. He looked at me like this. Oh, I know what that means. <laughs> right? And it's like, it's like and we, we jump, we jump. And that's, how, that's the way the devil, the devil is like, you know, right? The devil is so sneaky, right? It hasn't happened. You haven't, you actually haven't had an encounter yet, but your heart is full of fear. And it's like, it's not real. Why are you fearing? And that's how you know Satan is at work. If you could learn that, it's amazing how your life, you could shoot them down. <laughs> no, it ain't happening. I'm not giving into that. That's just, you're just predicting something. You're a liar, Satan. Right? God's fear does not work that way. All right? God's fear does not, don't, don't mix the two. The fear of the Lord assumes you've had a real encounter. Otherwise, you're fearing, you're just like the, like the word, you're fearing something you don't know. And that's not the God's fear. God doesn't expect you to fear him. He, he has, you haven't encountered him. Now, go to Exodus chapter 20. This might be four messages, but I'm <laughs> like, this is going, this is going. I thought it was a little, little, little more backed up than I wanted. But Exodus 20. Now, you, 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 have, to, you have to, you know, just give you some back. I should have given you some background. The people came out of Egypt. Came out of Egypt. And um, God says to Moses, okay, gather all the people. I got to do something. Gather them. Bring him, you know, sanctify the priest. And he gathers them. And then God. Praise God. <laughs> this is the kind of God, you know. Right? Because we, we, we need, you know, the, the people, uh, uh, when, they, when they came out of Egypt, they, they had the fear of the Lord? Of course not. They never encountered God. But God says, okay, classroom time. Gather my people. And they all gathered, you know, and they're like, you know, I'm pretty sure they felt pretty cool. The Lord loves us. We're like, we're like, the, we're like, we're like, we're like we, we crushed those Egyptians. <laughs> like, who can mess with us? You know? <laughs> it's like, you know, they, they felt pretty good, right? I mean, come on, were you, were you defeated an entire empire? Don't you feel pretty awesome? <laughs> right? They feel like, yeah, God, God, you know, they came in, you know, <laughs> and they're gathered together. They had no clue. But God knows. He says, okay. So now when all the people saw the thunder, see, they gathered by the mountain, and then God came down. I, I would love to be there. <laughs> you wonder at what point it started at 715? Because God is coming down to a place that he was filled with like a jealous being because God is love. The atmosphere is changing. I 
or the shatter of a piece of concrete. More silent, right? Because God's presence comes down. It's quite an awesome thing. And suddenly, thunder. <laughs> I would love to be the, you know, it would have been both funny if, if, if there were at least a couple of Dominicans there. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> <you know. laughs> and the thunder's like, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the thunder, the lightning. This is not like natural lightning. This is God manifested in a form that it pleases him because he's after something. He's not just coming he, he's after something. Flashes of lightning. And I'm sure they're saying, like, wait a minute. They taught us in school that you hear thunder, you count how many, how many seconds? <laughs> Ten seconds? What is it? Have you guys, did you guys learn that in school? Oh, sorry. And then the thunder. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I can see a couple of Hebrews saying, like, okay, let's not panic. Okay, here's the thunder. Here's lightning, one, two, and it breaks all the norms. <laughs> and, and there's like lightning all over the place. It's not following any size. <laughs> and they're like, this is, this is, this is not normal. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then to add, right, to add insult to injury, okay, they can get the, they can get the, Okay, okay, I've heard thunder, I've, heard, I've seen lightning. This is totally different. <laughs> right? The sound of the trumpet. Right? These are heavenly trumpets. Oh, you think that Moses was in the back with a microphone? <laughs> he, was not, he was not in the back. You know he, this is... This is spiritual trumpets. This is like sounds of heaven. You understand? Like, like <laughs> I mean, I, I'm pretty sure by now, this is this is different. This is not just a storm. And then the mountain starts smoking. Do you see what see what's happening? They're encountering God, right? Right. This is this is right. There's an encounter with God, and all of these elements—thunder, flashes, lightning, sound of trumpet—that's all God. God in His wisdom, right? He didn't say, "Let's bring a flute. Let's bring a flute. Let's bring some feathers." <laughs> no, no, God's not thinking like that, <laughs> right? He's He's trying to communicate something to the people using natural elements, right? Praise God. He's using, he's not, he's not just, he's using these elements that appear to be kind of natural, but they're not natural because this is God's presence has come. And the trumpets are blaring. Now, you might say, what, what's that trumpet? <laughs> it's, it's reasonable to think that that trumpet was the very voice of God. But that he has a voice like a child. 
You know, later they said, please tell him not to speak to us. What, what a moment that was. The people saw. In other words, the word there to see is this idea of a fullness of experience. This is not just hearsay. They're encountering the presence of God in a way that they had no clue. So they were gathered. They, were, they had their barbecue and the chickens and the popcorn. <laughs> At this point, it's like, what is going on? Right? What is going on? What is going on? Exodus 20 and 20. Why all this? Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you so that the fear him may be before you. Do you see what God is doing? What is God doing? He's putting what? The fear of him. In other words, and that's the way it works. It's one or the other. It's, he says, you don't ever have to fear anything else for the rest of your life. Don't fear nothing. Just fear me. I've come so that the fear of him, Moses said, he has come. He's putting so that the fear of God, the fear of the Lord may be before you. All of that, all of that drama, all of that event, right? All of that was for the purpose of God putting his fear in the people. So the fear of the Lord, there, there has to be an encounter with the presence of God. You cannot fear the Lord just by mental exercise. You cannot fear the Lord just by trying to convince yourself, I fear the Lord. You, we, you need to encounter God in some way. Through his word, in his word, by the power of the spirit of God, there, there comes an encounter, right? And now, now th this didn't happen once a week. Right? This is not like a regular thing that's happening. This is a unique manifestation of the presence of God at the beginning of their walk to set the tone. God will, you know, God is not going to do this all the time. He's not going to come down with thunder and right, light, right? That's, you know, we want to live like that, but that's not the way life is, really. At the end of the day, God comes into our lives. He does unique things, and then he, he expects us to walk in that for years. To be faithful to the Lord. And then he might come again and do other things and do glorious. But there are unique things that God does in our lives. And they are transformational. And this event was transformational for the people. Now, it didn't change them. We know what happened. They all died in the wilderness. So there's a sad ending to the story. But that doesn't, doesn't deny the fact that God is being faithful and he's uh, giving them an opportunity to encounter his presence. So now, from this point on, and I'm pretty sure that in those first few weeks and months, you know, things were straight and narrow. But guess what happens? We forget. We forget what to happen. And then you start to drift. If, if you forgot, you know, and we think that, you know, if we can't let time, we can't let time rob us of the manifestations of God's presence. I said, no. He revealed his presence. And he put his fear in me, 
And it's been, it's been a while. It's been a few years that I've, that's happened. But I remember. I'm not going to allow the things of this world. I'm not going to allow the cares of life to drive me away from that place where I stood. Heard. And I was overwhelmed. See, no one is born with the fear of the Lord. No one. We're not born with the fear. Forget about it. I don't care if you grew up Catholic. I don't care if you, <laughs> whatever. No one is born with the fear of the Lord. Look at Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, verses 9 and 18. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, that all means every one of us, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin as it is written. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of apt is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their past are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. This is, this is an indictment on every one of us. And look, look how Paul summarizes this horrific state of affairs. Verse 18. There is no fear of God before. There. That's why we are like that. That's why our, 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 our tongues and our mouth is an open grave. That's why, right, no, we're not born, we're born wicked sinners. We're born into sin. We are, we are bent and inclined to do evil. None of us are born with the fear of the Lord. We need to encounter it, and God is faithful. Amen? God is faithful. So if we're going to, um, if we're going to uh, um, really understand the design of the church, really understanding it in a way that is profitable, we're going to need the fear of the Lord. We need, we need that fear. You know, <clears throat> now, again, I want to encourage you, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to end with this. I've got a couple of us, four, we said we're going to talk four things, but we won't keep you long. But you have to have an encounter with God in some form. Um, you have to have an, you know, ask God, if you find yourself, Lord, you know, I don't know that I fear you. Or, like me, I would say, Lord, I want to grow in my fear of the Lord. We need to ask God, Lord, do it. But be ready be, that when there are moments in your, that God will come and he will make it clear to you that he is mighty and glorious. And that's going to, you're not going to leave there oftentimes saying like, oh, what a wonderful experience that was. You're going to leave there saying, that's a holy God. We need that. Like, we're, we, we go to God to get, Spiritual massage, it's like he's a massage parlor. And everybody's online waiting to get a massage from God. You know? <laughs> okay, sit down, son. Here we go. Here's, oh, thank the Lord right here. You know? <laughs> and and we, we, we treat God like a massage parlor, uh, like uh, a massager. We got to come to God and say, Lord, you know, do whatever you want to do in me. I want to learn to fear you. And I don't know what he will do. Something you will read in the scriptures that the spirit of God will make alive in you. I mean, I, I, you know, I interpret everything to the fear of the Lord. I, at least I try to. That's why I like to watch the news. 
see tragedies happen. Right? How does that work? Everywhere. And so it, it informs, right? It just informs. You know, I think, I'm, I think about R.C. Sprawl. I'll never forget R.C. Sprawl. Uh, he, he shared an encounter. He's a really good Bible teacher. Passed away a couple years ago. And I, I, was, remind, I was remembering him when he said he was a young student at a seminary, young man. This was before he became R.C. Sprawl. This is, you know, and he was at, he was at a, his Bible college. I think Bennett, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh or something. He was praying and studying the scriptures. Middle of the night, he just felt a restless presence. Just a restlessness. He got up from his room. He went to the church, the nearby chapel. And then he said that he opened the door. And he began to pray and kneel down. And he said he, he'll never forget how God's presence came down. And he just was in, in touch with the Holy Spirit. Never forget, he said, that has shaped my entire ministry. And if you knew R.C. Sproul, he was a man that was really given to the holiness of God. He didn't trifle. He knew what God was trying to do. What I'm saying, those kinds of moments we need in our lives, we're going to understand the design of God, we're going to understand anything, we need to encounter God and say, Lord, open my eyes to see how great you are. And he will do it. He will do it. Well, I'm going to, next week, we're going we're gonna to take up the next the next three, uh, you know, um, things that I want to talk about. And the four things that involve, four things that involve the fear of the Lord. But the first thing I want you to go tonight, today, is have an encounter with God. Let him speak to you. Today, if you hear his voice, don't, don't harden. Let him speak to you hard things. You know, God, can God speak to you hard things? Don't, don't close your people. When, oh, I, I bind that spirit you know, in the name of, <laughs> and it's God speaking. You know, it's like, right? Because it's like, <laughs> because it's like, we, we're so used to hearing, oh, my son, you're, you're not my favorite. You know, I'm like, you know, and we, we become so thin skinned that we don't like to, you know, Lord, it's okay. If I'm selfish, if I'm like, there's too much God for me. Show me. And he's so kind, right? So we can, we can, we can walk in, in with the Lord and say, Lord, you know, I want to fear the Lord. I want my life to be regulated fully by the fear of God. Amen? Well, let, let's stand and let, let's, um, let's go to prayer. Abby, why don't you come up and let's um, I want to give you an opportunity to... Um, Consider the fear of the Lord. Um, do you want to grow in the fear of the Lord? And, um, there's a song that I, um, I don't know if you have it, but um,
I'm going to sing that song, Holy Are You, Lord. Holy Are You, Lord. But I want to give them an opportunity. You know, for anyone here that might feel like, you know what, I'm not, I don't know that I really walk in the fear of the Lord or I don't even understand it. But I want to. I want to. I want to. I really, for the first time, maybe maybe for the first time in your life, you're actually considering this question. Say, you know what, the fear of the Lord is, um, you know, let, let's put up Psalm 112. Psalm 1, just encourage you. Psalm 112, verse 1. Um, these are promises. The scriptures are full of promises like this. But let me let me show you this. Psalm 112, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man, the woman, who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Verse 2. These are promises to those who fear the Lord. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Verse 3. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Verse 4. This is beautiful. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. In other words, when you fear the Lord and you have darkness that come against you, and they will come against you. The fear of the Lord does not prevent you from walking in darkness, right? You're going to have moments, but there's a promise. Light will begin to arise. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. Verse 5. It is well with the man who deals generously with the land, who conducts his affairs with justice and truth. His righteous will never be moved. It will be remembered forever. It all began with, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. And I'm just going to give us an opportunity as a church, as an individual, to say, Lord, deepen this in us as a people, deepen this in me, I want to walk in the fear of the Lord. I want to walk. I want to understand the design of the church. But in order for me to understand this, I, I need the fear of the Lord. I, need, I don't want to just have information. So listen, that's all holy, are you, Lord? And if you feel the Lord just tugging at your heart and you want to just come and just lay pro- prostrate before him and just kneel down, you know, these, these, this, this altar is open for that kind of engagement with God. We want to, just as a symbolic gesture, say, Lord, um, we need your help. I need your help. So come and... Um, I want to encourage you. Let's sing this song.
of heaven like the sound of many waters is the sound of worship coming from the throne there are cries of adoration as men from every nation lift their voice to make his glory known singing holy 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 are you lord holy Thank you, Father, for this wonderful reminder, Jesus. I thank you for my brother Matthew. And Lord, his heart's desire to just grow in this precious and wonderful um, just characteristic of a, of a person who's been born again and um, to hear you. Oh, God, I pray for him. I pray that Jesus, you see his heart, you see exactly, oh, Lord, what he's going through. And I pray. Oh, God, that you would just touch his heart, and that you would help him, Jesus, today. I thank you, Father, for, for Matthew. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the work that you're doing in him. Oh, God, Lord, just let him know how much he is loved. And give him, Lord, that, that wonderful experience that just um, helps to define what the fear of the Lord is in his heart. And so I thank you for him. I pray that you would bless him. I pray that you would fill him with the Holy Spirit. And I pray him that, that he would be filled with faith and expectation for the wonderful things that you're going to do in his life. And so thank you, Jesus, for this young man, oh God, that has come and really wants more and more of you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, you, no one, Lord, they that fear the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Lord, I pray that you would satisfy him and fill him and renew him every day. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I just pray for my sister, Lord, to just come. I pray, Holy Spirit, that your hand would be upon her. Oh, God, you know her life. You know all that she's, she's going through. I pray that you would comfort her, strengthen her. 
I pray that you help her, Jesus. I pray that you would just encourage her, that she would, Lord, grow in the fear of the Lord, that she would, Lord, be so different from those around her because of the fear of the Lord. I pray the Holy Spirit come upon her and just fill her heart with joy. Lord, fill her heart with strength, O oh God. And, Lord, let her be a, a testimony, a witness in her generation. Father, we commend her to your work and to the power of the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hallelujah.